this is chapter five of the hunger games again if you'd like to read along on with your own copy of the book on hoopla or libby you're welcome to actually kind of i would like you to do that maybe if you'd like to but you don't have to i'm not gonna force you okay chapter five rip i grit my teeth as venia a woman with aqua hair and gold tattoos above her eyebrows yanks a strip of fabric from my leg tearing out the hair beneath it sorry she pipes in her silly capital accent you're just so hairy why do these people speak in such a high pitch why do their jaws barely open when they talk why do why do the ends of their sentences go up as if they're asking a question odd vowels clipped words and they're always hiss on the on the letter s no wonder it's impossible not to mimic them venia who who makes what's supposed to be some sympathetic face good news though this is the last one ready i get a grip as the on the edges of the table i'm seated on and nod the final swath of my hair leg hair is unprooted from uprooted from in a painful jerk i've been in the remake center for more than three hours and i still haven't met my stylist apparently he has no interest in seeing me until venia and the other members of my prep team have addressed in in so, some obvious problems that includes my that includes that has concluded scrubbing scrubbing my body down with a gritty foam that has removed not only dirt but three layers of skin turning my nails into uniform shapes and primarily ridding my body of hair my legs arms torso underarms and parts of my eyebrows have been stripped of the stuff leaving my, me like a plucked bird ready for roasting i don't like that my skin feels sore tingling and intensely vulnerable and i've kept my side of the bargain with Hamish. no objection has crossed my lips you're doing very well, says some guy named Flavius. He has he gives his orange corkscrew locks a shake and applies a fresh coat of purple lipstick to his mouth. There is one thing that we can can't stand. It's a whiner. Grease her down. Venia and Octavia, a plump woman whose entire body has been dyed a pale shade of pea green, rubs me down with a lotion which first stings the, but then soothes my raw skin. They pull me down from the table, re removing the thin robe I've been allowed to wear on and off and on. I stand there completely naked as the three circle me, wielding tweezers to remove any last bits of hair. I know I should be embarrassed, but they're so unlike people. I'm no more self-conscious than a trio of oddly col colored birds were pecking on my feet. There's the three step back and admire their work. Excellent. You almost look like a human being now, says Flavius, and they all laugh. I force my lips into a smile to show how grateful I am. Thank you, I say sweetly. We don't have much cause to look nice in District 12. The w this wins them over completely. Of course you don't, you poor darling, says Octavia, clasping her hands together to in distress for me. But don't worry, says Venia. By the time Cinna gets through with you, you'll be absolutely gorgeous. We promise. You know that we've gotten rid of all the hair and filth. You're not horrible at all, says Flavius encouragingly. Let's call Cinna. They dart out of the room. It's hard to hate my prep team. They're such... They're such total idiots and yet in an odd way i know they're sincerely trying to help me i look at the cold white walls and floor and resist the impulse to retrieve my robe but this sin and my stylus will surely make me remove it at once instead my hands go to my hairdo 
the one area of my bo body my prep team has been told to leave alone. My fingers stroke, stroke with the silky braids that my mother so carefully arranged. My mother, I left her blue dress and shoes on the train of my train, at the floor of my train car, never thinking about retrieving them, of trying to hold onto a piece of her, of home. Now I wish I did. The door opens and a young man who must be Cinna enters. I'm taken aback how normal he looks. Most of the stylists they interview on televised on television are so dyed stencils and surgically offered they're grotesque. But Cinna close has close cropped hair and appears to be a which appears to be a natural shade of brown. He has simple black shirt and pants. The only the only concession to self alteration seeds the metallic gold eyeliner that he has been applied with a light hand that brings out the flecks of gold in his green eyes. And despite my disgust with the capital and their hideous fashions, I can't help thinking how attractive it looks. Hello, Katniss. I'm Cinna, your stylist, he says in a quiet voice, somewhat lacking the capital's affection. Hello, I venture cautiously. Just give me a moment, all right, he asks. He walks around my naked body, not touching me, but taking in every inch of it with his eyes. I resist the impulse to cross my arms around my chest. Who did your hair? My mother. I say, it's beautiful, classic really, and almost perfect balance with your profile. She has very clever fingers, he says. I expected somewhat flamboyant, someone older, trying desperately to look young, someone who viewed me as a piece of meat to be prepared for platter. But Sinner has met none of, Sinner has met none of these expectations. You're new, aren't you? I said, I don't think I've seen you before. I say, most of the stylists are familiar contestants with the ever-changing pool of victors. Some have been around my whole life. Yes, this is my first year in the game, says Cinna. So they gave you 12, I say. Newcomers generally end up with the least desirable district. I asked for 12, he says. I asked for district 12, he says, without further explanation. Why don't you put on your robe and we'll have a chat? Pulling on my robe, I follow him through a door in the sitting room. Two red couches face off over a low table. Three walls are blank. The fourth is entirely glass, providing a window to the city. I can see by the light it must be around noon. Although the skinny, the, the sunny sky has turned overcast, Sinna invites me to sit on one of the couches and take his place and takes his place across from me. He presses a button on the side of the table, and the top splits open below arises a second tabletop that holds our lunch. Chicken chunks of orange chicken and chunks of oranges cooked in a creamy sauce laid on a bed of pearly white grain. Tiny green peas and oranges and onions. Rolls shaped like flowers and for dessert a pudding the color of honey. I try to imagine assembling this meal myself back home. Chickens are too expensive, but I guess I can make do with a wild turkey. I need to shoot a second turkey to trade for an orange. Goat's milk would have been a substitute for cream. We can grow peas in the garden, but I'd have to get wild onions from the woods. I don't recognize the grain, but our own tessera ration cooks down to the unattractive brown mush. Fancy rolls would mean another trade with the baker, perhaps for two or three squirrels. As for the pudding, I can't even guess what's in it. Days of hunting and gathering for this one meal, and even it would be a poor substitution for the capital version. 
what it must be like, I wonder, to live in a world where food appears by the push of a button. How would I spend the hours I now commit to combining the woods for subsistence if it was too easy to come by? What what would do they all do they do all day? These people in the capital, besides decorating their bodies and waiting around for a new shipment of shipment of tributes to roll and die for their entertainment. To roll in and die for their entertainment. I look and find Sinna's eyes trained on me. How despicable we must seem to you, he says. He has he has seen my face or somewhat read my thoughts. He's right though. The whole rotten lot of them is despicable. No matter, says Sinna. So Katniss, your costume for the opening ceremony. My partner Portia is the Salisbury fellow tribute Peta. And it's our current thought to dress you in complimentary costumes, says Sinna. As you know, it's customary to reflect the favors of the district. For the opening ceremonies, you are supposed to wear something that suggests your district principal industry. District 11, agriculture. District 4, fishing. District 3, factories. That means that coming from District 12, PETA and I will be in some sort of coal miner's getup. Since the baggy miner jump shoots are not particularly becoming, our tributes usually end up in some skimpy outfits and hats with the headlamps. When your tributes were stark naked and covered in black powder to represent coal dust, it's always dreadful and it never does anything to win our favor with the crowd. I prepare myself for the worst. So we'll be in a coal, I'll be in a coal miner outfit, I ask, hoping it won't be in the scent. Not exactly. You see, Portia and I think that the coal miner thing is very overdone. No one will remember you, and that will, and as we both see it as our job to make District 12 tributes unforgettable. I'll be naked for sure, I think. So rather than focus on the coal mining itself, we're going to focus on the coal. Naked and covered in black dust, I think. And what do we do with coal? We burn it, says Senna. You're not afraid of fire, are you, Katniss? He sees my expression and grins. A few hours later, I am dressed up with what will be the most substantial or the deadliest costume in the opening ceremonies. I am in a simple black unitard that covers me from ankle to neck. Shiny leather boots lace up my knees, but it's the fluttering cape that streams of orange and yellow, and the red that matching hairpiece that define the costume. Sina plant plans a a light to light them on fire just before the chariot rolls into the streets. It's not real flame, of course. You'll just it'll be a little synthetic fire Portia and I came up with. You'll be perfectly safe, he says. But I am not convinced that I won't be per carefully, perfectly barbecued in the time we reach the city center. My face is re relatively clear of makeup, just a bit of highlighting here and there. My hair has been brushed out and braided down my back in my usual style. I want them, the audience to recognize you when you're in the arena, says Sina dreamily. Katniss, the girl who is on fire. The, it crosses my mind that Sina's calm and normal demeanor masks a complete madman. Despite the morning's revelation about Peta's character, I am actually relieved when he shows up dressed in identical costume. He should know about the fire being the baker's son-in-law, and his silence, Portia and her team accompany him, and everyone is absolutely giddy with excitement over the splash that will make, except Sinna. He seems a bit wary and, and, accept and he accepts a congratulations. We're whisked down to the bottom level of the Remake Center, which is essentially a gigantic stable. The opening ceremonies are about to start. 
Pairs of tributes are being loaded into chariots pulled by teams of four horses. Ours are coal black. The animals are so well trained, no one even needs to guide their reins. Suna and Portia direct us towards the chariot and carefully arrange our body positions. They drape our capes before moving on to the consult each other. What do you think, I whisper to Peta, about the fire? I'll rip your cape off if you rip mine off, he says through gritted teeth. Deal, I say. Maybe if we can get them off soon enough, we'll avoid the worst burns. It's bad enough, though. They'll throw us into the arena no matter what condition we're in. I know we promised Hamish we'd do exactly what they said, but I don't think he considered this angle. Where is Hamish anyway? Isn't he supposed to protect us from this sort of thing? With all that alcohol in him, he's probably not advisable to have him around open flame, I say. And suddenly we're both laughing. I guess we're both so nervous about the games and more pressingly petrified about being turned into human torches we're not acting sensibly. The opening in capital music begins. It's easy to hear. Blasted through around the capital, massive doors slide open, revealing the crowd-lined streets. The ride lasts about 20 minutes and ends up in the city circle, where they will welcome us. Play the anthem and escort us to the training center, which will be our home slash prison until the games begin. The tributes from District 1 ride out on a chariot pulled by snow white horses. They look so beautiful, spray painted silver and tasteful tunics and glittering with jewels. District 1 makes luxury items for the capital. You can hear the roar of the crowd, they're always favorites. Mr. 12 gets into the position and follows them. In no time at all, we're approaching the door, and I see that between the overcast sky and the hour, and the evening hour and the lights turning gray, the tributes from District 11 are just rolling out when Sinai appears with a lighted torch. Here we are, then, he says. Before I can react, he sets our capes on fire. I gasp, waiting for the heat, but there's only a faint tink tickling sensation. Cinna climbs up before us and ignites our headdresses. He lets out a sigh of relief. It works. Then he gently tucks his hand under my chin. Remember, heads up, smiles. They're going to love you. Cinna jumps off the chariot and with and he has one last idea. He shouts something at us, but the music drowns him out. He shouts it again in gestures. What is he saying? I ask Peter. For the first time, I look and realize the blaze with the fake flames. He is dazzling, and I must be too. I think he said he wants to hold hands, says Peta. He grabs my right hand in his left, and we look for Senna for confirmation. He nods and gives the thumbs up. And that's the last thing I see before we enter the city circle. The crowd's initial alarm at our appearance is quickly changes the cheers and shouts of District 12! Every head is turned in our way, pulling the focus from the three chariots ahead of us. The first, at first I'm frozen, but then I catch a sight of a large television screen and it, and am, and am floored by the how breathtaking we look. In the deepening twilight, the firelight illuminates our faces. We seem to be leaving a trail of fire from the flowing capes. Sina was right about the minimal makeup. We both look more attractive, but utterly unrecognizable. Remember, heads high, smiles. They're going to love you. I hear Sinna's voice in my head. I lift my chin a bit higher and put on my most winning smile. I wave with my free hand. I'm glad now I've paid it a clutch onto for balance. He's so steady, solid as a rock. I gain confidence. I actually blow a few kisses to the crowd. The people in the capital are going nuts, showering us with flowers, shouting our names. Our first names, which they have bothered to, to find in the program. 
the pounding music, the cheers, the admiration work from the way work their way into my blood. I can't suppress my excitement. Cinna has given me a great advantage. No one will forget me. Not my look, not my name, the girl Katniss, the girl on fire. For the first time, I feel a flicker of hope rising in me. Surely I, there will be one sponsor willing to take me on, with a little extra help, maybe some food and the right weapon. Why should I count myself out of the game? Someone throws me a red rose. I catch it and give it a delicate sniff and blow a kiss back to the general direction of the giver. That a hundred hands reach up to catch my kiss. It's not until we enter the city circle that I realize I have completely stopped circulation in Peta's hand. It's how tightly I've been holding it. I look down in our linked fingers and I loosen my grasp. He regrains his gip on me. No, don't let go of me, he says, the firelight flickering off his blue eyes. Please, I might fall out of this thing. Okay, I say. I look back, keep holding on. But I can't help feeling strange about the way Sinnoh's linked us together. I'm not being really fair to present us as a team and lock and lock us into arena to kill each other. The twelve chariots loop into the city circle. The building that's surrounded by the capital, every 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 window is packed with the most prestigious citizens of the capitals. We our horses pull the chariot right to President Snow's mansion and we come to a halt. The music ends with a flourish. The president, a small thin man with paper white hair, gives us an official welcome from the balcony above us. It's traditional to cut away from the faces of the tributes during the speech. But I can see the screener getting more and more airtime. It's darker it is, it's more difficult to take your eyes off our flickering. It's the tr when the national anthem plays, they do an effort to make a quick round of each of the tributes. The camera holds on District 12 cherries as it parades us around the city, the circle. By one one finale time, it disappears into the training center. The doors have only just shut behind us when we're engulfed by the prep teams, who've nearly unintelligible as they babble out praise. I glance and notice a lot of the other true roots are shooting us dirty looks, which confirms what I've suspected. We've literally outshone all of them. When Cinna and Portia are there, helping us down from the chariot, carefully removing our flaming capes and headdresses, Portia extinguished them with some kind of spray from a canister. I realize I am glued to Pita and force my stiff fingers to open. We both massage our hands. Thanks for keeping hold of me. I was getting a little shaky there, says Pita. It didn't show, I tell him. No one even noticed. I'm sure they didn't notice anything but you. You should wear flames more often. They suit you. And then he gives me a smile and seems so genuinely sweet with the right torch of shyness and unexpected warmth rushes through me. A warning goes off. A warning bell goes off in my head. Don't be so stupid. Peter's planning how to kill you, I remind myself. He's luring you in and making you easy prey. The more likable he is, the more deadly he is. Because, But because two can play this game, I stand on tiptoe and kiss his cheek right on his bruise.